everyone and welcome to episode 7 of Cheap Talk. Um, today I have Lucy with me. Lucy, do you want to say hi to people? Yeah, hi. Um, I'm 22. I'm currently in Edinburgh. Just graduated with a social anthropology degree. Um, and for like the past couple of years, I've been running a charity or helping to run a charity called Expression. And that's probably like my main hobby and passion. Claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Lucy, you've been coming to Cheap Shop for a while. It was just so nice to see you gradually come more and more and then you would become like a daily customer. Um, mainly because I'm in love with your keep cup. Like it's my <sighs> favorite of any customer's keep cup. Speaking of coffee then, what are you drinking for this podcast? I'm drinking, I've got the packet right here. Um, Taylor's Rich Italian Roast. Is that from which roast? It's, I got it from Sainsbury's. It was on oh, sale today. I like your, no one can see you doing this, but you're like... I know, but you can... You YouTuber can. getting this, it to, you know, focus on your coffee bag. Yeah, just putting my hand behind it. Um, it smells so good. And it does taste pretty good. Do you know what the tasting notes are? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Let's see. You know, sometimes they just don't put the notes, so they'll be, like, really vague. Like, nuts and fruit. And it's like, like well... What, what fruit? What I think there's so many different kinds of fruit, like yeah, it can be dark banana, chocolate and almond. Oh, that's a bit basic, isn't it? But you know, an all-round winner. Taking <laughs> my my basic my basic I coffee. I told you I was I was going to be a coffee snob for like three minutes, so I have mine with me also, which I got oh. this weekend. So I don't know. You saw on my Instagram, right? That like our local. Um, specialty coffee place opened up so mm-hmm. I like ran into town and got a coffee got a brownie that you saw me eat lovely and got a bag of coffee and it's um they're called unorthodox roasters okay this is called halcyon or how how would you, how would you say that Hal- halcyon yeah i would yeah. say a sith not a kith anyway yeah um ipa and i love ipas like the drink it doesn't taste yeah. but tasting notes of blood orange elderberry and lavender Ooh, which i can't taste any of but it tastes delicious okay I'm glad with tasting notes really uh, i can't even pretend to taste any of that it just tastes like nice coffee so yeah, as long as it tastes good that's all i really absolutely. care about absolutely yeah um okay lucy let's get into what we're going to talk about today okay. um, really excited uh, <laughs> so we kind of went through what kind of topics we would talk about and the one that came to my mind and you've mentioned it already was sexpression and yeah. we've spoken about this a lot at the box um, mm-hmm. but yeah I'll just let you kind of start off this chat and see where we go with it yeah I feel like I'm always coming to see you like just before I teach a lesson mm. or just before I have a meeting with something to do with expression like it really took over my life in a good way yeah. um expression is a student-run charity that teaches inclusive and comprehensive sexual education to students in local schools so um we teach to a bunch of different private and public schools 
uh, high schools in Edinburgh. Um, and the goal really is to provide them with a broader and more inclusive education um, than what they're currently getting in the Scottish curriculum. Um, and also uh, off offer this opportunity to connect with teachers that are a similar age to them as well. Um, which I think is definitely proven to be useful in terms of uh, engagement and discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we, we, we write all the lessons ourselves, we teach them all ourselves, we train everyone ourselves, and then we also have weekly meetings as, a, as like a university society. Um, it's a big operation. If you um, write up the lessons yourself, where do you get that information from or how do you know to um have like a topic for that day or how do you like narrow them down because there's yeah so much like sex education at school or the way I remember it maybe the way you remember it, it's just so I think it was like just a few lessons and it's all just on for for girls anyway for women it's um contraception and for guys it's like I can't even remember but I just remember not obviously it's important but it's just so on the surface so yeah. there's so much to, to speak about so how do you define each topic and where do you get your sources from and stuff these are great questions Sorry, um, so I'm just this is a really important topic I think <laughs> so um there's a national committee of expression um that um has a huge amount of resources and helps gather a lot of online information and teaching resources um, from all around the world, which are then distributed amongst the societies. So we get given packets of information. Um, we've essentially been continually annually updating the same seven or eight lessons since our society began, um, which I think was about 20 years ago. I think we had our 20th birthday this wow. year. Yeah. Um, so we, in terms of deciding what content to teach, we only have like seven or eight lessons that we offer to schools. And those, we kind of deem them as priority based on one, like what we think is most integral at a young age to know, and two, what's going to um, kind of encourage them to ask questions and be open-minded to more complex topics. So we all, we don't have the time to go like in depth on gender theory or sexuality, but we do have the time to like go over these concepts in a very broad and abstract way to give them some words to use that they can then search up online and to start a discussion so that they later on can go and do that. Um, so like the number one priority for us, if we're only allowed to teach one lesson to a school, sometimes the schools are just like, we have this one class, you have half an hour, can you come in and just do that? Um, and the number one class we'll teach will probably be consent. Yes. Um, that's normally the first one, mm -hmm. um, which for very obvious reasons is super important. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then if we are allowed to do three lessons with them, we'll do consent, um, we'll do porn, which is my favorite one to teach. Um, and we'll do STIs, um, or pleasure. Uh, a lot of them overlap. Yeah. Um, but really what we're trying to do is fill in the holes in the curriculum about, you know, the gray areas of relationships, mm -hmm. um, or like 
talking about masturbation because I feel like that never happens in, in class or, or offering alternative forms of contraception other than condoms, like talking about how um, people of multiple sexualities and preferences have sex and how you can be protect, how you can be healthy in all those different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of um, just trying to be flexible and fit into what they already know. Mm-hmm. Um, and prioritizing what we think is most important. Yeah, I think it's great how you mentioned relationships there because like I was saying, sex education before was didn't seem to incorporate that. I don't feel like it just felt so, you know, mechanical and yeah. this works like this and you have to do this or you shouldn't do this if you don't want this to happen. And it was nothing about, you know, how you should feel or how the other person should feel and how you can help each other feel comfortable. It was, it was none of that. Yeah. Um, and that, I think that's so important and it would be taken a lot more seriously if feelings were incorporated into it like that. So absolutely. Yeah. We, we normally start off um, our healthy and unhealthy relationship lesson talking about like where, where do you learn about relationships and what a healthy relationship and an unhealthy relationship is mm-hmm. when you're not learning about it in school. And it's like toxic representations of relationships on TV and movies and porn. And these people are are almost always straight. They're almost always able-bodied. They're almost always white. Like, it's just bad. Mm -hmm. It's just like, media is not good at representing things. Um, So that the lesson that we teach on relationships, which is all just scenarios, Mm-hmm. Um, where we ask the students, like, what would you do in this situation? Or what went bad? What could have gone better? Um, and allow them space to kind of also talk about all the gray areas, mm-hmm. especially when we're teaching students that are like 16, 17, 18, mm-hmm. and they're about to come to uni or college or start work. Yeah. Um, they're about to, you know, start socially drinking or socially taking drugs mm-hmm. and like, encouraging them to start actually thinking oh what happens when I'm in a situation where someone I want to have sex with is drunk Mm -hmm. or what happens in a situation where I'm under the influence of something someone wants to do something with me or my friend is being like proposed on um and yeah like encouraging those questions Mm -hmm. within a relationship context because it's not just about like making babies no that's such a tiny part yeah so small so old-fashioned really yeah yeah. So it's more, it's, if I understand properly, it's more that you're just opening up the floor for these kinds of discussions and allowing them to kind of see what piques their interest or what they think applies to them or their friends or a partner or whatever, and then to go and research that independently. But then how would you ensure that they're like, you know, researching the right things because there's so many taboos out there and so much misinformation or you know so many terms that can be used interchangeably and whatever and the internet's just a wild place so how would you like try and um highlight the importance of like researching properly or making sure that what they're learning is actually going to help them so we normally provide a list of resources at the end of our lessons for teachers to have that they can share with pupils um, of some like educationally sound sites that they can go on, YouTube videos, films, TV shows. Um, but also, I think what's really key with researching like the wrong stuff mm-hmm. is making sure 
there's time for students to ask questions and use the wrong words so that we can inform them that they're the wrong words. Like if they're in a space that's safe where they can like put up their hand and very innocently say something that would actually be very offensive to like, I don't know, say a gay person. Yeah. Um, they're in an environment where we can inform them mm -hmm. about, you know, why that might not be the right thing to say, why they might want to say something else instead, um, without, you know, the possibility of being like attacked or have some like very rightfully upset queer person um, yeah. be mad at them. Mm -hmm. um, and I think allowing them to, to ask those questions means that when they do go online, they're more likely to have the right words to look up mm -hmm. um, or be interested in, in, in some more like safer topics than just going down like some really terrible like pornographic holes. Um, that's a big part of our porn lesson is um, thinking about what ethical porn is. Um, so rather than just encouraging like classes when like they're legally allowed to consume porn, which like we all, yeah. Um, <laughs> that when they're legally allowed to do that, they are um, kind of just reminded that there is like a safe way to go about doing this and a less safe way. Um, so just trying to really equip them with the right words to use when searching for stuff online. Yeah, good. And then hopefully the right words will, you know, generate the right response or the right information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so lastly on this topic, any kind of so apart from so first of all how can like someone get involved in sex expression if they want to and then do you have any like articles or books or or just anything that you think because i will admit i said this to you as well like i before we came on i didn't want to i'm really conscious of like saying the wrong thing all the time um and i know that you're saying like in a safe space it's okay for yeah. kids to do that but i just feel like at my age I should know more about it but I've just really just have never had these conversations before it's just never and I should be having them and I want to learn so yeah but it's hard to even like start those conversations if you don't know what to say yes. like it can be so intimidating especially when you're super well-intentioned and you just want to learn but like <laughs> yeah. I totally get the fear of like I'm scared of even just asking someone who who's like who's queer or trans what their experience is like in case that in some way is upsetting or hurtful yeah. you know like like trying to do the right thing and be a good ally is really hard yeah. um yeah well if you want to get involved in sex expression we we're a student society but anyone can join um we're having an egm at the beginning of semester in september and um, so that's the best chance to properly get on board the team um, we probably won't be teaching lessons this year um, mm -hmm. because we go into schools we're a bunch of strangers going into schools and then leaving uh, so it's probably not going to happen until next year but if you want to get on board with the advocacy work that we do um, the events that we run and the student side of things running meetings and panels and stuff then um, the EGM will be happening so on Facebook we're Expression Edinburgh and so if you just follow our page then then you be updated on on everything that's going on um in terms of in terms of articles or things that i'd recommend people like watch um maybe like a um you know gender or sex expression kind of vibe like one-on-one like for for beginners maybe google is your friend and 
like the best thing to do is is go online and just search some terms mm -hmm. um stonewall has a ton of really great resources mm. um and it's also just a good educational resource um so yeah i'd highly recommend if you're interested in gender and um queerness checking out stonewall for some queer basics amazing you're so clued up it's inspiring really <laughs> i just yeah it's amazing and we have spoken about this at the box this is not because the point i said to you was like um a level of comfortableness that you want to speak about things at the box and we have spoken about this before Obviously, oh yeah 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 not much time to go into such detail but i'm always no. and then you leave or there's a queue and i'm like no come back um so yeah amazing um okay next up i wanted to ask you about because you're you studied anthropology yes and at the time when you kind of started to come to cheap shop more you were writing your dissertation yeah and yeah that was a time wasn't it <laughs> oh that was awful <laughs> yes yeah um and it sounded really interesting but i actually can't remember exactly what <laughs> you did for it um but do you want to quickly talk through that yeah absolutely um i mean i loved the 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 research component of my dissertation um it was just the writing up that was awful um so for research for anthropology dissertations you do uh, a big chunk of field work over summer which is just qualitative research and then we write up over september october november i did mine on the mesh implant which is not a contraceptive device it's a piece of synthetic plastic that goes between the pelvic organs and provides support for um people who have urinary incontinence primarily women um or a pelvic organ prolapse and i was working with women whose mesh implant had failed um it had had some really graphic horrible side effects and it's been going on for about two decades now that these women have just had these terrible symptoms um from having this implant and um, haven't had any like official apology and um, own, like real legislative action didn't happen until last year um, where um, like, there was a reduction in the amount of implants that were um, allowed to be um, inserted and then it was banned for a period of time and I think it's back again but um, these women are, are really upset and really angry about what's happened to their bodies because they feel like they weren't informed um of the consequences um some of these women like they can't walk anymore or they have chronic pain um their lives being completely changed by this by this operation um so i was working with them and talking to them about their experience working in hospital working um sorry their experience uh in hospitals being with doctors um how they feel um the nhs managed their their illness and um like trying to understand their their feelings of betrayal and hurt and upset so i was primarily focusing on the experience of agency like did these women feel like they had control over their bodies and themselves when they said yes to this operation and do they feel like they have agency over their bodies now and how do doctors help facilitate that agency um 
it's really close to my heart as someone who's been through like medical trauma and felt like I had all my agency just completely taken away from me and I didn't have any control over what was happening to my body um I think you like briefly I didn't know it was about implants or anything so that's really exciting for me to know um I kind of thought if you wanted to speak about mental health a little bit um obviously however far you want to go with it I'm just gonna let you lead yeah I mean like God, what a time, right? Um, yes. It's just, it is just wild. And I think, I think everyone's struggling with their mental health at the moment. I've, like, I'm meeting very few people who aren't coming across some, some hurdles. Um, and I was talking to a friend, um, a really good friend of mine called Dara the other day, and we were talking about our mental health and how we were doing. She said that she read something where um, someone was saying that if anyone ever asks me what depression feels like, I'm just going to say, remember when the pandemic happened and we all had to stay inside and do nothing? We all felt terrible. That's what depression feels like just all the time. Oh. And I was like, yeah, geez, yeah. Like, that's a good, that's a good way to describe it. Like, if, yeah, if anyone's got underlying mental illness um, or, you know, it's, struggling to have access to their medication right now or, or can't see their therapist right now mm. or was it like in the middle of trying to get a diagnosis and now doesn't have it um wow. like it's yeah it's it's all just like really really difficult um, yeah it would be nice if this breeds like some new empathy yeah um yeah especially for disabled people and people with mental health issues mm-hmm. um because yeah like everyone is now being put in a position where they have a very different perspective on the world mm-hmm. um but it's the perspective some like some people have had like for decades um uh, or it's experiences that people have, have been struggling with for for mm-hmm. their entire lives i'd also say uh, so i'm i'm in recovery from an eating disorder and i have a couple of friends who are and it's really weird managing um eating disorder recovery with being kind to yourself so it feels a little bit like an oxymoron um because recovery sucks and it doesn't feel good um not that you shouldn't do it because you absolutely should but but it's it's not fun it's really hard and at the beginning at the beginning of lockdown my brain was like well it's okay if we indulge in these behaviors or if we get worse because everything's terrible outside and like no one could blame us and I was like you're right I'm gonna be nice nice to myself in quotation marks and be really mean to my body um and then I had a conversation with someone and they were like no that's just your eating disorder telling you to Mm. do this and like trying to sneak in and use lockdown as a way to like get its hooks in you and I was like oh fuck you're right like it caught me out again. Yeah, Jeez. That imagery, but it's so true. Yeah. 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 Um, it's so sneaky. Because mm. the whole time you're like, I'm reading all this discourse about like being kind to myself, not expecting too much from me. Mm. And and like reading things about like like don't expect you you to, like like don't try and like improve yourself as a person. Now is not the time to go on some huge mission. I was like, you're right. I'm just not gonna get better. 
but no. I mean, like, you don't have to, like, work on yourself hugely or be super productive. I'm not advocating for that at all. Like, no. No, sleep no, no. and eat and yeah. read things and be nice to yourself. Yeah. But, like, when it comes to some mental illnesses, being nice to yourself does mean doing the really hard thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you do have to just push through and keep on going Mm -hmm. and like if anyone listening to this is recovering from an eating disorder during a pandemic you're an angel yes good for you well done and keep going um but like yeah don't let it don't let it sneak in there and i just have to say that for like future lucy who's undoubtedly gonna like fall into this trap again back to this yes yeah when when i listen back to this (laughs) in a couple of months from now and i'm just like oh i just want to hear my voice um and yeah it's just just yeah you've got to keep going you just gotta um you approached me i think it was like march it was not long before lockdown and i was very honored because you asked if i could be part of one of your essays yes again i've kind of forgotten (laughs) what the point was what the hypothesis was but it was about um like essentially about working at cheap shop wasn't it yeah yeah, so I was for my demystifying money class, which is the best class I've ever taken in my entire life. Run by this really cool anthropologist. Her name's Julie Huang. And um, Julie. The, the, we were just told to like do an essay on something to do with the course. And I was trying to think about money and personhood and um, like neoliberalism. And I was like, Mel. <laughs> Obviously, because well, we put those three words together to and come up with me. <laughs> no, but I'm just, I was, I'm just super fascinated by how you, by working at Cheap Shop, intersect with a lot of different things. So, like, you're, you're Mel. You're your own person with your own likes and dislikes, right? But you're also the face of this business. You're Mel as a great person, but you're also Mel the face and sole runner and operator of this business and you interact with customers on a daily basis as both cheap shot and mail and i just find that so fascinating i think that's so so interesting i think it's awesome it's a great little box and i love what you're doing with it I'm a big fan big supporter of of mail making coffee in a box yeah it's the dream job i never knew my dream <laughs> Thanks for chatting to me about all your interesting activities. Really, you're so really, as I've said it before, but you're really inspiring and how openly you speak about things that should just naturally be spoken about, but aren't, unfortunately. So, um, and hopefully people listening have learned something or are excited to go and learn something on their own now. So, um, thanks so much, Lucy. Um, Thank you for having me. Of course. I always wanted you on this. I knew from when, because I did speak to you about it before, didn't I? Yeah, yeah, because we were gonna, we were so close to meeting up. Yes, we were. At the box. And then, you know, shit just spiraled so quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, hopefully speak to you again soon oh for sure yeah 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 yeah. and uh, take care thank you so much you too thank you bye